If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. In this episode of The Transition, I'm joined by Army veteran and executive coach Charlie Gilkey, founder of Productive Flourishing, which helps creators, business owners, and leaders thrive through award-winning tools and services. Additionally, Charlie's also the author of The Small Business Lifecycle, a guide for taking the right steps at the right time and start finishing, how to go from idea to done. Charlie's book, Start Finishing, is the reason I decided to take action and launch my first podcast, Confessions of a Native Son. Originally, I invited Charlie on the show to discuss the book, but when I asked him to take off his armor, our conversation took us in a different direction. Being an entrepreneur is no joke. It can be mentally, physically, and spiritually daunting. Your entrepreneurial journey isn't a six-month deployment. It's your life and all that entails. On the show, Charlie opens up about the reality of building a sustainable business for the long haul, including navigating the ebbs and flows, avoiding shiny object syndrome, and making sure you're taking care of yourself along the way. This is a powerful conversation to remind you about what lies ahead, especially for those of you early in your entrepreneurial journey. Before you hear from Charlie and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. I'd also like to encourage you to check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur. Validate your business model, build your brand, and step into greatness. Available on Amazon. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Charlie, welcome to the bunker. What's going on, my man? Mike, I am so excited to be here. Look, it's a great start of the year. I love that we're talking about start finishing. I love how we talk about, for especially for fo- those of us who have who come from a military family or we've been in military service. You know, one of the things that that I want us to want us all to embrace is that we need to choose the mission. We need to choose the mission, and y'all, everyone knows what I'm talking about. We're soldiers. We're Marines. Give us a mission, we're going to accomplish it. But the real challenge when it comes to doing our best work and leading our teams is remembering we choose the mission. I love um, that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, let's get it, man. So, Charlie, I'm going to give you your flowers. Here's why. I came with this idea to start a podcast called Confessions of a Native Son, a black veteran's perspectives on race, culture, and business. And it was in my head, and it was head trash, mm-hmm. right? And this is before the pandemic. And I read all the books. I read like 10 books on podcasting. You know, I talked to this podcast network and I saw your book start finishing one day and I grabbed the book. I start reading it in like early February. Like I launched the podcast like February 1st, right? Literally two days before I was, it was like four o'clock in the morning. I had just finished start finishing and I got my ass up and I launched Confessions of a Native Son. I love it. Thanks for that, man. And I'll tell you, like, people don't know this about me, but, like, I'm not very moved by 
monetary goals per se. Like at a certain point, it makes sense for me because I want to comp my team more because they're freaking amazing. But I'm motivated more by identities and the opportunity to adopt a certain identity. It was like, I want to be a national champ. Mm-hmm. Tell me what to do. Get out of my way. Let's make it happen. I want to be a Marine infantry officer. I don't care how much it costs. Let's go. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a real entrepreneur. I want to eat what I kill. I want to be a podcaster. But I was carrying his head trash around, right? And then I read your book, and I'm telling you, I got up out of bed, and I just freaking did it. I contacted the podcast network. I wrote up the script, and I launched that show, man. And so I just want to give you your flowers while you're on this platform because, you know, I listen and consume a lot of content on the internet, but most of the people I spend time consuming, they're not who people think. Like, it's not the Tim Ferrisses or the Joe Rogan. It's people like you. You know, there's a guy who came on called um, Justin Jackson. You know, people that have been around, survived the game, bootstrapped, hustled. I found your old book, like your first book. I listened to podcasts about you. And I was like, man, I got to get you on the transition. And so it took a while. It almost took me a year, to be honest, because I think I sent you. You and I were taking Ship 30 for 30 together. Mm-hmm. And I dropped you a link. And then I, I, I contacted you on LinkedIn a little bit later. And when Asia was on the podcast and she mentioned she was working with you, I was like, all right, that's my end. And man, I still have to say, we're lucky to have you as a community and more people need to know about you because vets are spending a lot of time and money with people that don't have their best interests at heart. And so if we can keep it in the family, I'm all about it. Let's keep it in. Fa- I appreciate that so much, man. Like it's, hmm. you've, you've interviewed a lot of folks. You talked to a lot of folks. Listener, you've heard a lot of folks say something like this, but when I sat down to write, start finishing, I was like, Man, there are so many productivity books out there, right? But I was like, still though, there are enough people stuck with that idea, stuck with that work, stuck with that calling, and it's just not coming out. And I really, really wanted to write the book that spoke to the rest of us, right? If you, if you wrote, if you read Getting Things Done and it was your jam, great, love it, run with that. But there's a lot of folks of us just missing, especially especially a lot of us that are not coming from that perspective to where normally the 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 social list of achievements is what's driving us, right? When you start talking about mission and purpose and values and what you're really here for and who you want to represent, um, you got to approach that differently. So I love that Start Finishing did that for you. Thanks for sharing that. And those projects that light up our souls that sometimes will make no financial sense. Like I wanted the identity of being an author. I wrote my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, all kind of head trash. I mean, it was one of the hardest things I had to do because there was nothing else stopped. It was like a migraine that lasted for like 10 months, you know? Um, And so that's really why Start Finishing resonated with me. And again, a lot of us as veterans, we spend our time serving our country, focus on a mission that was bigger than us. A lot of us have been drawn to entrepreneurship on things that are bigger than us, right? We want to serve our community by launching a nonprofit, right? We want to start a business so we can hire more veterans. And next thing you know, you get in the hustle and bustle and all the big projects and the purpose, you start to lose it. And so that's why we need coaches like you. We need content from people like you to keep us focused on uh, that, which is what's most important. Yeah, man. I love that. I love that. And I, I exited the service in 2010, right? So I exited as a captain in the army and it took me two, three years to realize like, what do we do with that identity that we have? Like you're a Marine, right? 
always a Marine. I'm a soldier, always a soldier. And I'm like, but I'm not doing that anymore. But then it took me a while to realize like, actually though, I'm doing it in a different way now. Right. I don't put the bulletproof vest on anymore. I don't do all of that anymore, but it doesn't mean that that way of showing up as a guardian, that way that we all share is not what we deploy in our businesses, in our nonprofits, in our communities, in our family. Once I had that shift, Mike, I was like, all right, it's game on. I know how to play this game. But um, so I just want to say to all the military folks, if you're in and serving, thank you. If you're out and wondering, (laughs) thank you. And just remember, you don't have to leave all of it behind. You can take the best parts with you going forward. What year did you start Productive Flourishing? Officially 2007. 2007. It lingered. It, it, yeah, it took a little bit, right? Um, yeah. But officially, that, that's when things kicked off. Here's why I ask. We get vulnerable on this platform. We take off our armor. Let's there's a lot it. of shows. People come on. They tell you everything's amazing. We're killing it. But you and I both know behind the scenes, entrepreneurship is fucking boxing times yep. 10. Gets, you're sparring. Some days, you know, you're good. But other days, that sparring partner, they get you. So behind the scenes, what's something you're struggling with personally or professionally uh, as an entrepreneur? Man, I came on just to be 100% real. Mike asked me, like, how things are going. I came in talking about cash flow. <laughs> right? I came in talking. And I would just put it down there because, yeah. I mean, we made a change in our business that one of the drivers we have over December and January wasn't there. And I've been like, why is our revenue? Like, why are we having to make some of these choices? And I'm like, oh, crap, we don't have that thing there, right? Um, really, what's what's been the biggest challenge for me is in 2022, we launched our, our new app, Momentum, which is, um, it takes a lot of our IP, takes our planning frameworks and puts it in a mobile, you know, software as a service business, goes everywhere you go. It's dope. And Charlie of 2020 of 2011 in some ways was more on point than Charlie of 2021. Right. Yeah. And I'll say it this way, because then I knew, cause I did all the research. I was like, man, starting a SaaS business is not just an add on to your existing business. It's not like you're an author and you add on a podcast. Podcasting is dope, but it's not that big of a thing. But a SaaS company is a completely different type of beast tacked on top of my already author and coaching business. And it's been a struggle, right? Because not only is the span of my companies larger, right? This is the first time, Mike, with momentum that I can't just get in there and fix some stuff. I'm not a developer, right? I made that decision that I'm not going to learn to be a coder. So if somebody ain't working with momentum, I got to wait, right? I got to build a team around that. I can't just be like, you know what? Let's get in the truck. Let's make it happen, right? Um, And so really expanding the brand from the start finishing sort of productivity side to where we're going with team habits and really a lot of the work we do in teams, adding momentum to that deck, um, straight up bit off more than I can chew, <laughs> right? A hundred percent. Right. And so just dealing with the repercussions of that. It's all right, man. Business is a contact sport. You don't know what you don't know. But now you know. And I'll tell you this, too. Um, I follow Andrew Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little of his stuff. He runs Tiny, which mm-hmm. they, you know, buy internet businesses. And he's a billionaire and everything. And once, what he said on one of the podcasts I listened to was that every professional service firm he knows, the agency owners, they all want to launch an app. Right? Because they're like, I'm tired of working with clients. I want to get out of the, the day-to-day. I just want to 
throw up this app and it drives revenue and scales. All the app people want to start an agency because they're like, man, wait, man, I can just charge someone, you know, 25K, get 50% of it paid up front. You know, we're that's the dream. And so, like, the grass isn't always greener. It's just brown. Um, but it's just the reality. And even being a business coach with the Lions Pride, you know, you assume that founders that have launched multiple businesses, they all make the mistake of thinking this next thing is going to be just as easy. And it's hard. Yeah. Right. Maybe you'll get the foundations right of focusing on sales early, but stuff just ain't working. You know, stuff's still breaking and it's hard again. And so I just remind people, man, it's all hard. You just got to choose your hard. And some markets are notoriously harder than others. Like being an agency owner is hard. It's feast or famine. But when you catch it, you can go, you know. Uh, SaaS products, it's a whole nother beast, right? Whole nother beast. Um, yep. Well, so and I that's appreciate what you sharing. Yeah, that's what it is, man. And so I didn't, yes, I would, I would, I would be straight up lying if I was like, I didn't see the money and I didn't see the possibility of momentum that didn't play a part. It played a part. Right. But when I looked at how are we going to scale this planning framework we have, how, what are people buying? What do they want to do? And then after start finishing, people are only about to app, man. I'm serious. Like it, it had been the thing every year we launched our, we lost our planners. We did our thing. And then there would just be like a grip of folks, like 20 to 40 folks be like, Hey man, you gonna make an app. I'd be like, Hey man, let's talk about that for a second. Cause here's what it's going to cost, right. To create this app. I don't, I don't know. But then after start finishing came out and we had that bump in visibility, man, they were just after me. <laughs> right. When are you gonna make the app? When is there an app for this? When are you gonna make the app? When is the app for this? And at a certain point, I was like, all right, I got enough of y'all, right? And again, it's early days. I launched Momentum, like we launched Momentum in June, bro, right? And so I'm yeah. six months in and in the struggle that every business is going to be doing, right? Um, and so we're still early days on that. Um, but, you know, the thing about it is sometimes, Mike, people will come to me because I've been in this game for a while, right? And they're like, hey, Charlie, you still coaching? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm still coaching. I love this. Like, This is what I do. This is my jam. Why would I do something different? And like, well, you could do the other thing. It was like, you know, it's that fisherman story that we, I think we got from time, from, from Tim Ferriss. We're like, you build all the business and you do all yeah. the stuff. And then you just want to end up, uh, you know, rowing the boat, <laughs> right, in Mexico. And I'm like, I can skip all the building and just do what I do, right? I love yeah. what I do. I love working with my peeps. Um, and so that was one of those things where the, the tension that I have right now with momentum, if we're being real, real about it is it's not what I'm waking up in the morning, most wanting to do. Right. Yeah. And you got to be careful as a founder. So here, here's the thing, military vets, if you're thinking about going into entrepreneurship, like when we were in the service, what you felt about it didn't matter. Right. It did not fundamentally matter at the end of the day, right? Machine is moving. The train is Machine rolling. Machine is moving, right? PT's so, at seven. <laughs> PT's at seven, right? You do it the easy way or you do it the hard way, but one way or the other, you're going to do it, right? Um, everybody knows what I'm talking about. In entrepreneurship, where your heart is matters. It matters so much. And that's why it's super important that you don't get caught up in the spreadsheets and you don't get caught up in the socials and you don't get caught up in all that. I really want people to be thinking, is this, if we want to go into finite and infinite game, Mike, tell me if you want me to get off that bag. But it's like, is this something I'm going to want to do in its fundamentals five years from now, 10 years from now, 20? Like in the exception here, if you're going to tech startup route, you might not have to ask that question. 
right? Because you're not going to be in business that long. Let's be real. But if you're in an agency, if you want to be a podcaster, if you want to be a YouTuber, if you want to be a consultant, if you any of those things, bet that you're going to be in it for 10, 20 years. Whether you want to show up and do that work matters a lot four, five, six years in. I was contemplating naming this podcast episode Start Finishing, but I actually might name it uh, my blog article I'm writing called This Deployment Doesn't End. So many of us are used to that workup, that sprint. We're going, going, going. You know, you go to your little training, then you Mm -hmm. deploy, then you come back, you go on vacation. All of a sudden, you're a small business owner. It's six months. It's 12 months. It's a year, three years. You haven't been on vacation. Your partner's still yelling at you. You know what I mean? You're paying yourself pennies. You're like, when is this going to end? And luckily for me, and I've said this before on this platform, I lost one of my fraternity brothers in 2021. And he was just a few years older than me. And he was Mm -hmm. my big brother. And going through that feeling of laying him to rest, I made a vow to myself, I'm going to enjoy each and every day. Mm-hmm. That not mean I have to be printing money, but I know when I jump up to work, I'm excited and energized about what I do. And there are these pools where like, Mike, you should be doing this. You need to be a venture capital. You need to start fun. You need to do all this other stuff. I'm like, man, I like talking to people. I like podcasting. I like coaching. And so I can, you know, I'm big on what you just talked about of like this deployment doesn't end. Right. So you need to make it fun. And understand that you need to play the long game because even podcasts, you and I know, Mike, you start a TikTok video. You need to do, you need to do this. You need to do that. I'm like, that is a hamster wheel. I don't want to get on, and it's gonna make this not fun for me. Look, bro. Um, there's a quote. I forget who it's from. You'll you'll do the research, but it's like, be careful that you don't ask for advice from people who haven't gone where you're trying to go. Right, and I know people mean well. You should do this, and you should do that. But let's talk about social media, man, and and hiring a social media team. Like at a certain point, if you have an idea and then you talk to a teammate about it and then they talk to another teammate about it and then they do something with it and then it hits, you've already spent $300 to send a damn tweet. Unless you have a super scalable business and that that ROI works, you're not going to get ahead on that, Right. Um, and fundamentally, like Mike, if you love making short videos and things like that, I'd be like, dope, do it. Right. But if it feels like it's not on point for you at this point, nah. Right. And so I know people mean well with that, but I think business cost of business is like so much more than most people know. And even not to go too deep down on this, but when you look at some of the AI tools coming out, when you look at some of that, we're going to reach a point to where it's not going to be about creating the content and getting it out. Like it's going to be about deep resonance with, with a small number of people. And that's going to take humans, right? Um, Content is going to be the table stakes. Like when I started this jam, it really was like, how do you write posts and how do you post them? Like that was a thing because I'm a dinosaur, right? That stuff's been figured out, bro. (laughs) Like how you publish that. Right. Paid to do it. Yeah. That's all been figured out. But, um, you know, how we play this long game in a way that actually transforms people and makes a difference. AI is not going to beat us on that. Right. That, that takes a human. So yeah, I appreciate that Mike stay on point as much as you can. Um, and, and anyone, if you're out there, if you're a veteran, someone's giving you like, you should do this, you should do that. 
first off, we man, we got to stop shooting on ourselves. Right. Notice this. This is this is the coach of me coming out on this. I'm like, we never you or we very rarely use a should linguistic construct about something we want to do. Unless we're being sarcastic about it. So, Mike, what's your favorite dessert, man? Rocky Road ice cream. Rocky Road. Like, unless you were joking about it, you wouldn't say, oh, man, like I should really eat some Rocky Road ice cream right now. The, it doesn't work. Right. You say, I want, I'm going to, so on and so forth. So whenever you feel all those shoulds starting to pop up, usually it's someone else's external standard that's driving your decision making process. Right. Because we just don't use that language about, about stuff we really want to do. I don't wake up in the morning and be like, oh man, I should write. It's not like I might wake up in the morning, like, what do I get to write? What am I working on? What's this idea that's harassing the crap out of me? Right. Um, never a should, you know? Yeah, I love that, man. And I'll tell you this, too. Since you got vulnerable and took off your armor, I'm going to take off my armor as well. I was on with a coaching prospect. Mm. And she was better than me. Oof. Right? And she knew she's better than me because she'd been through the ringer. Yeah. Right? Black female, generate over a million dollars in revenue. You and I both know only 4% of businesses do it. She bootstrapped it. CPG, extremely <laughs> hard. Mm -hmm. So she's coming from a place of conviction, not confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, confidence is like... You elude it. Conviction is battle tested. It's mm -hmm. proven. Mm -hmm. It's psyched. And you know what, man? It was getting to me a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, because people assume, people on these platforms, we're coaches and this and that, that we got all the answers figured out. But when you're on with a killer, right, you're in your head a little bit. And thankfully, I have a coach coaching me who I was able to debrief with, you know? And it was one of those things of like, you know, I pushed her in the right direction, but also, you gotta be, you can't be afraid to walk away. Cause everybody, we all have value to bring to people, just like boxing, right? I can always tweak somebody's jab or fix their right foot or, you know, find these little things. Cause I see all those books behind you. I see all those books behind me. We do this, we get the pattern recognition. But um, it was very interesting for me because that was one of the first points where, like, you know, as a young, new coach, mm -hmm. right? You're with someone that's just a killer, you know? And it forced me to step up my game in a good way. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. And and that happens. That happens. And that's where we can get ourselves in trouble as a coach when we try to slide into the expert or consultant lane. Right? Because in some situations, our job is not to know the answer. Right? Because if we own the answer in that way, then especially, look, bro, I work with a lot of powerhouses. I work with a lot of the people you just talked about. Um, and to the, to the degree that I call them my Rosie, it's like Rosie derivator. Like you can't tell them nothing. You cannot tell them nothing. They know because they've been I told, the right. You don't tell them nothing. And so I'm like, Hmm, I already know. Can't tell them nothing. Right. I already know that they've already thought through the five to six different responses they're going to ask <laughs> that they're going to say to anything. Cause that's what it means for, um, certain folks to show up, people of color, right. Women to show up in this space. Like you gotta be prepped. You gotta be on it. Right. So I already know I'm not going to win that game. Right. Um, and so it's just how you, how you be like, all right. Yeah. My approach, I'm not saying you should have done this. I've been like, okay, like you've done a lot. You've solved a lot of things. What do you think your real challenge is here? <laughs> right. What do you see? Like I would, I would like, cause that's where I knew in that scenario, I'm not hard. 
there's something that she knows that's keeping her from doing whatever she's wanting to do and is yeah. bugging the shit out of her. That's why she's on the call. <laughs> right. That's how and you, you know roll. I learned what's that? It goes back to what we just talked about at the beginning. It all goes back to relationships. Right. Because right. when you're on with a killer, yep. like a beast, they're not just going to roll out the red carpet for you. No. They're going to make it hard, you know, and you yep. have to build a relationship and establish a poor. Because, like you said, they do all the research, they already know what you're coming. They've probably been pitched. <laughs> 10 times before by people better than you. But it was a it was a great learning experience. And the other thing, too, was like, here's what I've learned. And this is for you all out there, too. This is really important. Uh, Nate Zinsler wrote a book called The Confident Mind. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talks about is when you are in the field of play, mm-hmm. can't coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in the boxing ring, I'm going off of instinct. I have to trust my training. And I just got to lean in. Right? If I miss the, you know, if I miss a punch or something, throw another punch. But the minute I start thinking about, oh, my God, will this punch land? Oh, I missed it. I'm done. And he requests it to basketball, right? You have to believe, even if you missed that shot 10 times in a row, the next one's going in. Like, that's what champions think. And so I encourage all you out there, like, that's the kind of confidence we have to move with. Not in an arrogant sense of confidence, but in a sense of I've done the work. You know, I'm working on myself. I've invested in coaching. You know, I read the books and all this other stuff. So that's me just passing advice to you all out there. Yeah, man. Like, um, there's a tricky thing. So in, in coaching circles, we talk about, and again, Mike and I don't want to go into so much coaching talk, but this is really useful for people who are highly competent. And I know that's who we're talking to, right? You are highly competent in what you do. So there's, let's work through the model real quick. There's unconscious incompetence. You don't know you're incompetent, right? You don't know you don't know what you're doing, right? There's conscious incompetence. Like, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Now, people think the next level of mastery and, and competence should be, you know, they, they think it's something different than what it is. The next level up is conscious competence. You know what you know, and you know it's going to work. That is not the highest form of mastery and competence. The highest form is unconscious competence. You just do it. You just take the shot. You're not thinking about it, so on and so forth. So in the scenario Mike's talking about, he collapsed back into conscious competence. Like he was getting run on. (laughs) He knew he was getting run on, right? (laughs) Like, oh, oh, damn. Like, I know, right? And the thing is, you start spiraling down because once you start getting aware of it, then you start being like, oh, I I missed that shot. Oh, I missed that shot. And you're all in your head as opposed to being like, you know what? I'm going to get back in this. I'm going to do what I do and see what happens, right? I don't... And that's really adopting that unconscious competence. So, so many folks from the military, whether you're an officer, enlisted, warrant, wherever you came from, look, man, we get trained to do the thing in all sorts of all sorts of conditions, task, condition, standards, task, condition, standards. We get used to being competent and that being table stake, but then we enter this realm of entrepreneurship or leadership or whatever. And the reality is, you don't know what you're doing when you start. Just go ahead you have and no give yourself. Idea. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea. You can lie to everybody else, but you can't lie to yourself. <laughs> yeah. If, if you jumped on and you're like, hey, man, I started my business three months ago. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, we got to have the conversation, but I bet you we're going to be back in two years or three years. Right. Even, this talk, though, still applies to this theme that I just talked about, about this deployment ever ends, because these are skills you're going to have to use you know it's a way of thinking you have to use to stay alive you know you have cash flow issues don't worry it's gonna be all right 
You got to look at your team. It's going to be all right. Everybody's good. We're going to figure it out. And you got to really believe it, you know, because if you're just woe is me and you're all needy with a client, with a prospect or something, they're never going to buy for you. So these are tools and techniques that like we're talking about here that like is like peer reviewed. You know what I mean? We're not just pulling this stuff up. Like this yeah. stuff is real. Yeah. Well, it's like we said this in the army, right? And I'm sure they say that across services, but like if you got two people walking together, one person's in charge, right? Well, guess what? If you own your own business, it's always you. It's always you. <laughs> it's always you. Like I was, you know, when I was leading tactical convoys and I was an officer in the convoy, even if I wasn't the convoy commander, we all know the deal. If something happened, yeah, I was in charge, <laughs> right? I couldn't go back to my BC and be like, so nah, I was just riding passenger and then like this convoy ambush happened and I was just kind of chilling and I let stuff unfold. That is not the way. You know it, right? When you are an entrepreneur or when you're, I'll go as far as to say, if you are a leader and you are a leader, because we're all leaders, right? But when you actually step into that, like it's on you, it's not all on you. There's a difference. (laughs) There's a difference between it being on you and it being all on you. And that's the hard thing we got to learn is like, yeah, fundamentally in the scenario you're talking about, look, we get, we have a cash flow issue right now, right? You know, what What gets me, this is really, I learned this from sort of positive self-help stuff when I entered um, and started doing this work, because there's this idea that if you talk about a thing, you give it more power. I think it's bullshit, right? Look, Mike, if we walk in, in the field and I point to a mine and say, hey, man, there's a mine right there. Don't step on that. The mine hasn't gotten more dangerous, <laughs> right? Um, we can avoid it. We can do different things around that. If we say, hey, man, my team has learned to say this, like, hey, we got to be looking out for the summer slump in our business. We know it's coming, right? People ain't thinking so much about some of the things we do in the summer. It doesn't make the summer slump more powerful. It just lets us know, hey, man, there's a mind there. We need to be navigating around that, right? Don't don't just walk on the step on it. Don't pretend that it's not there. Right. That doesn't help anyone. So that's what I'm just saying, man, like as a leader, being able to say, look, we got this issue right now. It's going to be all right. We can't just manifest our way out of it. No, no, no shame against, you know, no shade against manifest, but like, how are we going to come together and solve this challenge together? Right. Not sweep it under the rug, but how are we going to do this? So it being on you and all on you is an important distinction, y'all. I think about my time being infantry officer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I had squad leaders. I had a platoon sergeant. We were a team. You know, it was never lieutenant just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. This is my advisor. I could always go, hey, what do you think, Corporal? What do you think, Corporal Nelson and stuff, et cetera? It took me way too long to translate that into being an entrepreneur. And so, like, I was at one of our coaching events, and there's this entrepreneur named John Hammond who started a company called Fortimize, killing it. Mm-hmm. Salesforce integrators, they're killing it. Financial services, straight. And he comes to talk to us at dinner that night, and we ask him for advice. Like, what's one piece of advice you would give us all? He's like, Write and share everything. He's like, you have no idea how important it is for you to share your thoughts, whether it's via email or get it on some paper or something, because people have no idea what's in your head. I came back from that tactical event. I started writing up docs, sharing. I Google docs, sharing. Google docs, sharing. All of a sudden, I noticed that my team was building the train ahead of me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll jump on a call, show notes prepped, everything, all that stuff ahead of time. 
Because one of the things that we have to learn is, and it's ego, right? Because there's embarrassment. Like you say, I'm having cash flow issues. I don't got it all figured out. You know, I'm the lieutenant. I'm in charge. As opposed to coming to your team and now it's not just your problem, it's their problem and trusting that like the weight of it is going to crush them. But what you find out is humans are super creative too. You know, all of a sudden you start going to your network too, your your circle of trust, your friends. Hey, y'all, we're having this issue. People can fix it on the spot. And so it goes back to, again, that vulnerability that I think a lot of us have to learn because even for me, I'm Marine, I'm a boxer, <laughs> run a gym, you know, and freaking COVID had me down here on the canvas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, oh. I'm like, oh, what was me? That's it. Who am I going to go to? I'm a Naval Academy grad. I got like $1,000 in a bank account. What's happening? You know, but being able to go to people, man, that's real leadership. See, we think we know leadership in the military, but the system is built. You know, it's a different kind of leadership that we're being challenged with um, no, yeah. as entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Well, and I gr- I'm glad you mentioned that because, look, it's a known known. I'm an executive and business coach. Like people who are successful in one context as a leader may not be successful in the next context. Right. And that context is super important. And people ask me about, like, what's the difference between being a civilian leader and a military leader, I was like, look, man, being a military leader for me, Mike, I'm not going to speak to your experience, but for me, so much more simpler, so much simpler. Not that it was easier. It was just simpler. I didn't have to like, I went to my S1 when someone had a pay problem, right? I didn't have to worry about how that money came in, right? I went to my S4 when I had a supply issue, right? I had a driver. I had, you know, I was a company commander. I had lieutenants, I had officers, I had warrant officers, I had a bunch of people to make stuff happen. In a civilian world, especially as a small business owner, you all of them, right? You got to be all of them and you got to become this generalist all over again. I thought I was a generalist um, because the army trains its officers to be generalist, right? I thought I was a generalist in the army. I was not a generalist. I became a generalist as an entrepreneur, like got to write a sales page, dope, got to Got to code this invoice? Dope. Got to build a website? Dope. Oh, got to figure this thing out? Dope. Like you just learn all the things, right? And that is what gets you in trouble. Because think about it this way, y'all. The more you do that thing you're masterful at, the more masterful you get at it. If someone is new coming into your experience and into your business, and they've never done that thing before, and you keep doing the thing that bootstrappers do, which is like, ah, it's easier for me to do. I'm just going to do it. It's easier for me to do. Just going to do it. You widen that gap, that, that gap of competency, and they are never going to be able to do it as well as fast as you are because like, you get better every time you do it. So to your point, man, like, yeah, when your team, like rule number one on the civilian leadership side, it's true on the military side, but it's definitely true on the civilian leadership side. Do not expect telepathy from your teammates. Do not expect them to be able to read your mind and just know what they need to do and go off and do it. If you haven't explicitly said it, um, one of the rules that's coming up in, in, the, in the book that I'm working on, the next one, not, not Team Habits, but the next one is make the obvious explicit. Make the obvious explicit. Because when you make the obvious explicit, you will realize it was never really obvious. <laughs> It was obvious to you, but that's why people, that's why I keep going back to the military, man. We wrote that five paragraph order. Last Corporal Smuckatelli, 
You're going to raise that flag mm-hmm. and signal to the machine gunner. You don't stop raising that thing until those guns shift. Right. right? <laughs> you know, you had to make it plain and you had to look and they had to acknowledge, you know, Lance Corporal's blink. Yeah. Right. You know, they just blink like they're paying attention when they're really <laughs> just thinking about going to chow. Right. But you're yeah. right. You we had to write. Think about the detail of those orders. I'm going to the army. Y'all are super planners. Yeah. Yo, the army. You, I mean, compared to the Marines, I mean, we're good. But like the army, I mean, that's what y'all do. That fires y'all up. And so, again, I think a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, like we notice at veterans, but we lose it because nobody has actually taught us how to translate to this new field of play. Yeah. Um, I'll give another example here that might be useful. Like um, I have learned that one of my bad habits as a leader, and I have to t- I've, I've made a guide to working with Charlie, by the way, make a guide to working with you. It will save everyone so much trouble. But part of my guide to working with Charlie is like, if I noticed a critical failure anywhere in the chain, I will inspect everything. <laughs> right. And I realized it was a bad habit. And I realized where that came from, because again, transportation, tactical convoy commander. If I'm walking by a truck and I see a busted tire on that one truck and I, no one told me about that before, so I'm like, how many more busted tires we got? Because I can't have that. Like, we are not about to leave the fob <laughs> with that going on. So, all right, sergeants, we missed something. Let's get everything because I'm not about to leave this. <laughs> Take it all that. out. Everybody Take it all. Everybody out. <laughs> Everybody out. Um, we're going to have an inspection, right? Sir, we leave in 10 minutes. The hell we leave in 10 minutes. Like you better get on it. Right. Um, turns out not super useful on the civilian side of things, um, because small things happen. So it's just knowing those patterns that existed in that environment. Not everything is high stakes, like what it was in the army, right? We're not all about to leave a fight. And so that reaction, wait, something's wrong. What else is wrong? Let's figure that out. (laughs) Let's figure it out now. Not necessarily useful when you got to learn, you know what, that thing wasn't quite right, but it's not going to be worth the cost to stop the whole train to fix that one thing in this moment. Or I need to let it go and let it get it, let it, let the team ship and get out the door and then come back around and be like, Hey, there's this piece here. Let's talk about it. Let's get that right. So it's this balance. We're like, still, you got to hold the standard. You still got to have that out there. But how you get the team to standard is dramatically different. Um, unless you're working with military folks, in which case it was all like, oh, yep, I messed that up. You know, snuff came out without the canteen. That means we all got to check canteens, right? That's just how it goes. But not so much in the civilian world. What I appreciate again about this advice is like this is stuff you've learned. It's yep. like 2007 recession number one. Boop. You know, you're rolling, rolling, rolling. Pandemic hit. Boop. And you're also working with high performers. And so... This idea of what we're really talking about is like, how do you sustain the long term, right? The Precisely. infinite game, the long game. What in general have you seen from the high performers that you work with, mm-hmm. the Asians of the world, et cetera, that have allowed them to have these sustainable businesses where, you know, you see so many entrepreneurs crash and burn? Yeah, Um I can say this for our audience. I've seen the traits that many of you already have. So hella courage, right? Let's start there. Um, The courage to raise their rates when it's uncomfortable. The courage to hire teammates or fire teammates, right? When they need to. The courage to step out on the stage and share what they have and let it go. Courage, courage, courage. We need a lot more courageous people than we need smart folks. 
I'll just be straight up real. I try to tell people there's never a right time. There's never a right time to hire that virtual assistant or bring on that team member or launch that podcast, right? There's never, it just, the stars don't align. You'll never have enough money. It's more about, I'm going to be the type of person that has a virtual assistant. I'm going to be the type of person that's charging a premium for my products or my services. I'm going to be the type of person that goes on a three-week vacation with my partner, Mm -hmm. right? And once you decide and you commit and you put some skin in the game, you manifest that reality instead of just waiting for it to magically happen. Precisely. Precisely. So service members, like go back to whatever your experience was in the military. That thing you didn't want to do for some people was the swim test. For some people it was repelling for some people, like whatever it was, were it not for your squad and probably a DI or drill sergeant kicking your ass off of it, you wouldn't have done it <laughs> right on the entrepreneur side. Usually, I mean, maybe if you hire a coach, or you got good partners, like they will be the ones that kick you off, but we're still human at the end of the day. Like if we, if we look, if your if your thing was heights, not mine, but if your thing was heights and you're looking over that repel tower and you're trying to decide whether to go over that repel tower, you're not going to go. You're just not. If you trust your training, take the leap. Like you're on a rope, all those things, you'll make it. All right. So same sort so courage. And let, that's what we get. Tenacity, man, tenacity all the way. Like to be able to stick with a problem until you solve it. Right. And understand that, you know, I go back to infantry, at least the way we're taught in, in the army. Obstacles. Only four ways over only four ways to deal with obstacles. Over, under, around, or through. <laughs> Which way are you gonna do it? <laughs> right? Um, over didn't work. Nope. Come back. Around? Nope. <laughs> through? Nope. Under. Like which way until you solve that problem or figure out the hard way, usually, that you've been trying to solve the wrong problem the whole damn time. Right. And then you move on to the next thing. So that's another piece. High performers, man, the power of a success pack. I talk about it in start finishing. Talk about it. You got to have a squad. I'll just talk to our, na- our language. You got to have a squad, man. Like if you don't, and and here's, here's what Mike and I, I think, mean by squad. The squad is not the people that you send the daps to all the time. Like just when shit's good, right? Like, hey, man, this happened. Like, that's not the squad. <laughs> the squad is when you send it to them and you got something vulnerable you need to share or you got something you're uncomfortable why, or you just like, look, man, you're better at this than I am. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I need some help. Right. But the squad is also who turns to you. Like we talk a lot about the, the, that one side, but who are you showing up for? Who's your battle buddy? Who, who will you reach out to? And if you're not in that reciprocal relationship, you don't really have a squad. So I have, you know, people there in my squad pack, we've been rolling together since 2008, 2009. Like I'm, you know, I'll reach out to him and be like, Hey man, like for my upcoming retreat, I didn't sell out all the seats I wanted to, you know, a couple folks that might, this might be a fit with, are you open for sharing that? Oh, no, that's cool. Cool. It doesn't fit your promotional calendar. Cool. Talk to another friend, so on and so forth. Do that. And they reach out to me. Hey man, like I'm trying to launch the book or I'm trying to do the thing or I'm trying to make a hire. Like I don't know what to do. That's the relationship you need to be with. Cause if you think about your business or your team as just this isolated thing away from everybody else, you don't understand the game. You are part of an ecosystem. Play like it. I got a squad, man. I got my boxing teammates, people I've been. I'm blessed. This is where I'm blessed with because when you go to a place like Annapolis, I've known these people for like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been through the ringer, naps, deployments, everything. And I know exactly. And 
even on the squad thing, I have mentors that, you know, I poured into um, when I first, well, that poured into me when I first became an entrepreneur. And all of a sudden you're giving them advice too, which is like that reciprocal that you talk about. All of a sudden I get a business coach. Then my mentor is like, Mike, tell me about this business coach of yours. <laughs> Next, you know, he's one of his VIP clients. Right. And so we all have value to give. That's why I think this is important to say, because so much of networking is me, me, me. But people don't understand it's about adding value for other people. Right. Um, and I think this is beautiful, man, what you shared. And, you know, I do this podcast. Right. I think we're going to talk about start finishing. I think we're going to talk about this other book. But the fact like you're a vet, it just went in a different direction. Um, and there's so much more to you, too, than just the author you know, the business coach, right? You got a lot of different layers, man. I really appreciate you coming on and being vulnerable. I do want to give you a chance to plug your books because you have some great IP out there. So if you could just quick give a quick summary of each one and let us know what's your BHAG, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal that you're working to, because I'm going to pitch you. I want you to come back on and actually talk about start finishing. <laughs> we didn't get into the meat of it on this episode, but I would love to get you back. Look, man, I'd love to come back anytime you want to have me. So um, I've got three books out right now, um, that you can buy. So the first, I'll just talk about them chronological order. I'll be as brief as I can be. So the first is the small business life cycle. The small business life cycle is the, what to expect when you're expecting for entrepreneurs and small business owners. It sort of sets you up for what you need to be focused on at certain times. And the whole goal of that, Mike, I wrote that one because I noticed so many entrepreneurs were just working on the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? They trying to work, focus on scaling and they don't, they ain't able to sell the first thing. So like, let's work on that first, right? So that's what small business life cycle is. Um, start finishing is really the missing manual for getting your best work done. Um, it, you know, it pulls together a lot of things of what it takes to take something that truly matters to you. One of those like projects, like what Mike was talking about, that thing that is haunting you to get done. And it shows you how to actually get that done. And what's important about start finishing and the different approach to it is, you know, too few, too few books talk about what it means to push a project and idea forward when it matters most to you and not necessarily for everybody else, right? That's what Start Finishing is helpful for. Hopefully, Michael had me come out. We'll dive deep in. My next book, Team Habits, is really focused on building better teams. And by better, I mean better performance, better belonging, not by the words you say, not by the, you know, start with why stuff, but really by looking at the habits, the ways you and your team are working together. Military folks, we're talking about TTPs, right? You build better TTPs at your squad, tactics, techniques, and procedures that, you're, that you and your team can execute. Turns out they'll have higher belonging and higher performance. It's a different approach than a lot of people take in building teams, but it's the one that I found time and time again um, makes a difference. So in order... The Small Business Life Cycle. You can get it from Amazon. Start Finishing. You can get it from pretty much any retailer. And Team Habits, that just came out like on, on, this, on all the sites two weeks ago. You can pick that up at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you're going to find it. You have to pre-order it because it doesn't come out until August. I got two of them. I found a Small Business Life Cycle. I always plug the five stages of small business growth. But since you just plugged it on the podcast, I need to reread it because I was in a different space when I read it for the first time like two years ago. And in terms of your BHAG, I know you got the Momentum app, you still got your coaching. What's that big, hairy, audacious goal you're working towards? Um, This one's a hard one for me to articulate, so I'll do the best that I can. Um, 
I want to make work work for everyone. That's it, right? The way we work in our society doesn't work for so many of us. Um, we end up broken, broke, depleted, <laughs> quitting. Divorced. Divorced, you know, beat all up. those things, man. And here's yeah. why work. I want us to live our best lives possible. My real mission is to help everybody thrive in life. Um, and we can't talk about thriving in life if we don't talk about work. And so I'm uniquely suited to talk about work. So that's what I do. I think that's powerful, too, because the, the reality of it is we spend the majority of our lives working. Right. You know, um, and so if we don't get this right. We can miss out on a lot of stuff. And so I think it's important to have people like you in the ecosystem introducing you to this audience. Charlie's out there. He's a beast. He's kept entrepreneurs alive and in the fight for a long time. So make sure y'all reach out to him. Check out his Momentum app. And for a lot of you uh, that are married, that have kids, one thing I really appreciated about Start Finishing, now I'm not married and I don't have kids, is that he recognized families and partners can also count as a project. So it's like, oh, yeah, it's great you want to launch that app, but your kids got that soccer tournament coming up. You know, your wife ain't too happy with you, and that ain't going to fix itself overnight. And so that's a project, too. And I think um, that was what was unique to me about your book amongst so much stuff. So we definitely got to get you back to chop it up, man. It's been an honor to have you on today. Where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Mike, all roads lead to ProductiveFlourishing.com. So that's send people there. If you happen to be hanging out on LinkedIn, you can find me at Charlie Gilkey. But yeah, ProductiveFlourishing.com or LinkedIn are the way to go. Awesome. And for all our listeners, do me a favor. Check out Charlie's books, Start Finishing. What's the other one? The Small Business Life Cycle. I want you all to start there. As you start scaling up, get the Team Habits book um, um, on Amazon. uh, Or I'm actually going to drop the links um, in the show notes as well. And I would love for you all to subscribe to my newsletter for the transition. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show, or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stebman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn. Until next time, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week.